Welcome back to another week, as scheduled, of the Doughboys week on the uh, the Boys Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast. Don't fret. Here we are, as we always are. Not so much uh, something that I can say for, for my colleagues, Josh and Sloan, but the Doughboys always come through for you guys. So I'm going to bring in my, my partner here, Matt. Matt, you want to say hi to the audience? What's up? Man, I just, I, I, I mock them in my opening, but I, I think that's where we have to start with this. That, the, the lack of, an, of a trade deadline pod is just criminal to me, right? It, I mean, I don't want to say they put it out to the world, but the the no trade deadline pod to plant ideas in people's head set the tone for the trade deadline weekend. No yeah. pod, no trades. Yeah, there's a reason that that it was such a quiet deadline. I just, man, I was like, I was really looking forward to that all week. I was like, man, we're gonna get a nice juicy one hour pod i'm gonna use it on one of my drives to see more it's gonna be beautiful you know i'm just gonna get to sit back relax and enjoy listening to josh sloan talk talk trade deadline and two teams that i feel like you know are, are typically have been fairly active this year in trade discussions so i was like surely they're gonna come come here with some hot takes for trades that they're looking to make or trades they think other people should make and you know i you know props to Josh. He stepped up and gave us a solo pod over the weekend. I, you know, I, I listened to it while I was raking leaves. So, you know, I got some use out of it, but uh, I don't know. It just feels like, feels like we came up a little bit short last week on the pod. Right. And I also want to shout out to anybody who is like me, uh, who stays up late just to see when the pod drops on Thursday, just to feel, feel it out on if I should stay up and listen to it that night. You know, I'm like a kid ready for Christmas. Um, but stayed up last night, no pod or not last night on Thursday, last week, no pod. I'm watching this garbage bears versus Panthers football game, just waiting and waiting. And uh, I just wanted to claw my eyes out watching those two teams play yeah. and then to have no restitution for with the pod to save me. I I just I feel like I feel like I need to get Ty involved and take legal action against Sloan. Yeah, I uh, I agree. For for emotional distress, I would I would call it. Oh, I yeah. just, I don't know. I mean, you know, Josh and Sloan, I I don't want to give you guys too hard of a time. You guys have put in a ton of hours into this pod. You put a ton of effort, but but man, guys, like of the all the weeks to not not get it together. That's the one. Man, we were I and I don't know. I think I think they underestimate how many boys listen to the podcast. I I don't think it's every single member of the group or anything, but like we have a very loyal listening group of uh, of about six listeners <laughs> who live and or I, die with this podcast every week. <laughs> I was also really looking forward to Sloan just unleashing some hot takes on, you know, oh look at the bottom of the table, like. Mike needs to be quaking in his boots. He needs to do this, this, and this. Colin's team is terrible. He needs to try to make these trades. Aga needs to trade Dak. He's at his all-time high. Matt put up 38 points. Like he's going to Waffle House for certain. Like I, I was know. ready. I was ready for all of it and got none of it. Yeah. Yeah. I I also just like maybe this is a little bit of a hot take. And maybe uh, you know, maybe maybe we've mocked them enough, but um is Josh going to be the first uh, team to quit the league? Like the way he was talking on that, that solo pod, like, dang, Josh, like I feel for you, man. Like that's, I, I don't know. He, it just sounded like depressed. Like he it sounded like his, his uh, favorite sport had been taken away from him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, man, maybe he's going to be the first one to quit. I think, I think he's got, or, you know, Tommy and, and, uh, some of the other members of the league have have more staying power than he does after listening to that. Yeah, I know it was. I mean, I will. Uh, upon reflection to listening, I agree there was a somber tone, and I don't know if it was Josh trying to channel his like NPR um, like voice as he did the pod. Uh, I will give him credit; he did a great job of staying cool, calm, and collected 
uh, spitting off the dome, but man, there was just something sad about all of it. And I think, I think it stems from Josh not having Tom Brady to root for. You know, yeah. I, I have never known Josh to be affiliated with a specific football team. Like he's not really affiliated with the specific NBA team, more so LeBron and Tom Brady. No Tom Brady. Josh doesn't know what to do with his Sundays. Can't figure out, you know, he's getting too caught up in fantasy football. I think Josh just needs to fully embrace the Seattle lifestyle, become a member of the 12th man. Yeah. Be a Seahawks fan. And then, you know, Anga's got the Jets. I've got the Chargers. Rest of you indie boys have the Colts. And, you know, on a Sunday, like I put most of my energy towards are the Chargers actually going to be competent at football today? Are we yeah. going to lose by three points again? And then fantasy's an afterthought. I think you need that favorite team, get that kid like respect back in the game. So, Josh, find yourself a football team. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I just like, yeah, I really feel for Josh. Like, I, I don't know. I, to me, I, I I understand the idea that you know this dynasty league has made it where you can't watch football without you know evaluating how many points every every other player is scoring. Like I do that. I'm sitting here watching Joe Mixon get a you know 12, 13 you know yard run and and just thinking what that does for for Angus team. But like at the end of the day, it's you know it is still football. And like I guess you're probably right. You know, to me, like. I have the Colts to cheer for where I'm just like, you know what? I'm I'm bought into the Colts. I want them to win. I don't care about the fantasy implications. Like, you know, I'm just here here to see a good game and, and hope that they come out on top. And maybe that is the difference. But I, I don't know. It just it, it hurts my soul to hear uh, such a big football fan talking about how like it almost feels like it's ruined it. Like he I don't I don't get the sense that he's enjoying real football. I don't get the sense that he's enjoying fantasy football like. And I just, I don't know. I, 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 I think that's too bad. I don't want to see him like that. We love you, Josh. Come on. I man. Know. Well, I will say, even if Josh, you know, things haven't been super exciting for his specific fantasy season and dynasty, he should feel some safety in making the playoffs, but boy, oh boy, can he feel confident and safe taking a back seat, getting his popcorn ready and watching this showdown for Waffle House? Yes. Like we there's no drama. We got the four teams. Well, it's not just four and like on good at the bottom anymore. On good has reeled in everybody else. Yep. And it's gonna Hats come down to the wire. Yeah, it really is. I you're you're right. I think you know there's uh, just to give everybody kind of a quick re- recap of where the table stands before we, you know, really dive into to a discussion about it. Uh, Sloan is at, at the top at 83, Josh at 76, Dylan at 72, Tommy at 64, Austin and I tied at 49, Matt at 43, Angad at 39, Michael at 38, and Colin at 37. So with, with that all in mind, like, you know, the, the top four playoff teams are probably locked in. You know, Austin and I really gave up a, a ton of ground to Tommy with his his nuclear week uh, this last week. But, um, you know, there's an outside chance one of us could climb back up there. I actually think Austin has a much better chance of doing it than I do. But, um, you know, I, we, we could catch him, but it's probably those four. Um, but you're right, man. Like, they're, every other team in the league is theoretically in Waffle House contention. Yeah, you got Tommy Tommy posting a nine-point week. Put himself, like, put the distance between him and then you and Austin at 15 points. The distance from you and Austin and Colin and last is 12. Yeah. And as we've, like, honestly really seen from my team these last three weeks, putting up a total of, I mean, you know, shout out to, I don't even know who I had playing Sunday night. But, uh, oh, it was James Cook. Shout out to James Cook getting one big drive, boosting me up to get three points to pass you and Dylan, unfortunately. But, yeah, you know, uh, my team is in a rut. Like, I mean, Mike and Colin and Ongut's had two really good, like three really good weeks finishing on the plus half. Mike and Colin had big, big weeks, and it's like, 
we get into these late season injuries. We got big buys coming up with this week. Week 13 is another huge week of buys. Like one week changes everything. And as my team can attest, you can feel really good about where you're at. But fantasy football has its own mind and you can post, you know, 60 points with the playoffs on the line. Or you can come back and, you know, drop a fat 38 and have every <laughs> single player play during the week. <laughs> you, you can do that as well. Yeah. My God. I, I uh, like that was jarring to me to see that I was that close to Waffle House because I really thought I was pretty much safe. Like I knew I, I wasn't totally safe, but man, I thought I had built up enough distance and there are a lot of teams between me and Waffle House. And honestly, you know, having three teams between you and Waffle House has to feel good, but, but man, that's a little too close for comfort. And, and uh, you know, we've seen how quickly these things can change. So I think, I, I feel like we, you know, one of somebody talked about on a, on a previous pod, how kind of that mid fifties, and table points is where you need to get to, to, was, to be safe. Was thinking the exact same thing. I think it was Mike when we um, had him on a yeah. few episodes ago. I think he mentioned 52. Yeah. Being I'm that threshold. Into his, his document here and see, remind ourselves where we were at. It looks be- like in, yeah, in season one, I went to Waffle House with 52 points, and in season two, Angad went with 52 points. So, so the idea is if you break, like patterns have shown you exceed 52, you're feeling good. But, I mean, right now we've got weeks 11, 12, 13, and 14. So we have four weeks left. It's 15 points from Colin to get to that 52 mark. Like, obviously, you and Austin needing that you're going to get to 52. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. The lowest you guys can get is 53 because, but not, you can't each get 53. Right. Yeah. But you know, some exchange of that, either you or Austin bare minimum at 53. Yep. You know, crazy things can happen with everybody else getting, you know, whatever to get to 54. Obviously if you're getting 53, you're not putting up very many points. We get that tiebreaker of total points scored and you look at the total points the difference between your point scored and the lowest, which is on good, is a hundred and forty-eight. Yeah, yeah, so. not insurmountable. I will say too, uh, the um, I, I just did some back of the napkin math, and amazingly, so Colin, you know, Colin has scored thirty-seven table points, so it, it means he's average. You know, he has an average of three point seven table points per week. If you extrapolate that over 11, 12, 13, 14, guess where that puts him? You're on mute, but I think you said 52. <laughs> I did say 52. Sorry, I just yeah, took a drink. You would be correct. It puts him at 51.8, I believe, which is actually pretty wild to think about. That, you know, potentially for the third straight year in a row, we, our Waffle House, you know, uh, victim will will score exactly 52 table points. Yeah, I mean, cr- like we like we just said, crazier things could happen, and crazier things have happened. But you know, we're going through week fourteen. I know there are a lot of teams with week thirteen buys, like myself included, uh, with guys with week thirteen buys. I know week eleven going on right now. Another big week in terms of buys. Add on to that injuries to people. I mean, shoot, in this game already. Mark Andrews went down. Lamar Jackson went down, and thankfully he's back. But I'm just glad I was smart enough to put Tyler Huntley in as my second quarterback just in case he got hurt so I'd get all of the points yeah. from the the Ravens yeah. QB room this week. But, I mean, no, nobody is safe from injury. I, I really think that no one is fully safe from Waffle House right now. Yeah, obviously outside of our playoff teams. But, yeah. It's uh, it, it's going to be a really interesting finish. Like this is this is what gives me life in this league. Like getting to watch, uh, you know, the hunt for the playoffs, you know, for most of the season, and now, you know, towards the end here, getting to watch the hunt for Waffle House. Like this is going to be a blast. I'm really looking forward to this. 
So any I other, agree. Yeah. Any other thoughts on, on, uh, you know, the week that was, or, you know, the, the breakdown of the table here. Well, I think it just goes to show like everybody being where they're at right now, the fact that we had such a quiet trade deadline. Yeah. Nobody in the top four, Tommy Sloan, Josh Dylan wanted to make a move because they all want to keep as many people as they can to give themselves the best shot to win the championship, right? They're just playing for get me to week 15 and then across weeks 15, 16, 17, let my team go nuts, right? Yeah. Everybody else, like you and Austin, really you're making a move with myself, Ongood, Colin, or Mike to try yeah. and get somebody. Do you have a ton of resources between the two of you to make a move like that happen? I would argue not really, but yeah, you guys, no, you guys, exactly. you guys elected not to. You feel better about not going to Waffle House, but like on the flip side, myself, Ongood, Colin, Mike, like not making moves because we want to try and keep as much value intact to try and avoid last place. And I don't know. I think the 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 lack of trades is a testament to that of everybody just kind of holding on to where they're at and you know praying yeah. that it's going to get them enough to where they need to be. I will I will give Dylan some credit for you know making the Debo Samuel trade with me. I don't know if we consider that a, a trade deadline move or not, but I think uh, so. Yeah, but I I agree. I was you know I think it was to be expected, right? Like I think we could kind of sense that it was going to be a quiet trade let deadline. I think our teams and or our managers in general over the last three years, like have seen, you know, what Dylan has done and what, you know, Tommy has done and what Sloan has done, you know, to an extent, Sloan a little bit less, but like, you know, they, they've been fairly patient with their players. They've kept, you know, they haven't, they haven't pulled the trigger too quickly on, on, you know, players that are underperforming. Um, they haven't tried to kind of outsmart the system. Like they've just plugged and played their guys and it's gotten them to where they're at. And I think, I think to an extent, like, um, you know, most of us that have kind of been wheeling and dealing, like aren't, aren't necessarily in the playoffs. Like Josh is probably the only one that's been, you know, uh, super aggressive in making trades and, and he's, he's the only one that's made there. So I, I, part of me wonders if like, the the anxiety of the trade trade deadline is counteracted by the fact that we've seen a lot of teams have success, you know, playing the long game. I'm curious to how far that long game can take both of them. Because obviously, you know, they're still flying high on the success of the the redraft, like the initial dynasty teams they picked up. Um you know, Tommy really hasn't had a ton of draft picks, especially meaningful draft picks on his team uh, to try and like make happen. Obviously, Kyron Williams, I mean, he's had some of those fourth rounders and um, like for taxi squad free agent guys that he picked up that have, you know, panned out for him. But Dylan's a real testament to like drafting young, staying the course. But for Tommy more so than than Dylan, like when does the clock strike midnight on that strategy. Yeah. You know, it's going to be, I, like we said, we're in year three. I think the further along we get, the more strategies are going to have to adapt and to change. Like Josh said last week, I think the, the level, like the top heaviness of the league right now is going to go away as new faces become the face of, you know, the NFL and become elite fantasy guys. And, have their moments of fame and yeah, kind of drag things out. So, I mean, I know you and I are in it for the long haul. This is, as we said before, like a dream come true, being like a, a legitimate GM. I love this. Holding league. on to Man, stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm having a blast. Like this is everything I could have asked for. The I care so, so much about how my boys league team does. Like I have other leagues, of course. And man, I just like, it's night and day how uh how little I care about those teams in, in comparison to this one. So um yeah I, I think about it I think about it a lot. It's a it's it's a fun time. I hope everybody else is having as much fun as I am. So uh yeah any other thoughts on the quiet trade deadline? Nah I think everything's said that need to be said. 
Cool. So we're going to play kind of a quick little game that you came up with uh, that I'm, yes. I'm excited. I'm excited about. So we're going to take those bottom six teams because nobody cares about the playoff teams. That's nobody cares. We're all focused on Waffle House. Everybody shows up every week to watch the the six bad teams uh, duke it out. Nobody cares about the top four. Um, so we're going to we're going to highlight the teams that the people care about, which is uh, which is those bottom you know, bottom, bottom six teams. So the little game we're going to play is for each of the bottom six teams, we're going to say why that team deserves to go to Waffle House this year. And we're not talking about why they will or what has gotten them there, but just purely why they deserve to be the one to go to Waffle House. And then secondly, on the flip side, why that team or that manager does not deserve to go to Waffle House. So do you want to start it at the top or you want to start it at the bottom of the table? Um, I think we started at the top with the people who are less, less likely to make it there. Okay. Good deal. So, uh, you want to start with my team then? Yeah, I can start with you. Okay. Good deal. Hit me with, hit me with why I deserve to go to Waffle House for yeah, a second is, time. Yeah. So Matt and Brian right now, we're taking off our, our Mac Hyper Jr. And, uh, Brian McShay hats and we're turning into, um, Brian Coward and, Matt Bayless <laughs> with these hot takes real quick, just being egregious, attacking people. So why Brian deserves to go to Waffle House. Your deserving factor is focusing on your team's like startability and not the team as a whole. Obviously, you're playing for the future, trying to get a starting lineup that you like, and then as the years go on, build in that depth. But for right now, in year one, trying to make that happen, the cupboard is bare. You're feeling it right now with injuries. you got guys on the same team, multiple bye weeks. I mean, you were in a position, literally, we were talking two weeks ago of, man, Brian's going to make some noise. Brian's going to make some noise getting in the playoffs. That noise has quieted down. So your deserving reason is you didn't stock the sh- you didn't stock the shelves. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I mean, you look at like the the freaking players that I've had to trot out <laughs> in my starting lineup these last couple weeks, including this week. I I would put my starting lineup up against anybody else in the league. I know that's a little bit of a hot take. Josh has a has the death lineup. Like it is what it is. I don't care. When when I, fully healthy. In a, in a dynasty league where we're looking for more than just, you know, one week worth of production or, you know, one season worth of production, I would put mine up against anybody. I, I would not trade my starting lineup for anybody. But to your point, I have had to throw every other asset I have away into the starting lineup. So it means when I have injuries, when I have buys, you know, when I have, uh, you know, underperformances or whatever. I don't have a ton of other places to to turn to. So here are the names of a couple of players that have started in my lineup at various points during this season who probably should not be starting. So Chuba Hubbard, Logan Thomas, Trent Irwin, who's currently in the in the lineup and has not scored yet tonight. Michael Wilson, Latavius Murray, Zeke Elliott, which you know is weird to say, but Zeke Elliott, Robert Woods. Khalil Shakir and Rashid Shahid. My guess is that Sloan does not know a single one of those players other than Zeke. Yeah. That is I, why I, I would, deserve to work. I would agree. Place. I would agree. Yep. Now and that's I my my only great asset from here, you know, and I wouldn't even call it great, is Collins second round pick this year. Like that's that's my chance to add just the tiniest amount of depth. Right. One extra piece for next yep. year. <laughs> Brick, brick, one more than I have right now. We're building it up brick by brick. So the other side of that coin, why you don't deserve to go to Waffle House. I think you don't deserve to go to Waffle House for being as aggressive as you were to make a team that you feel very content with, very comfortable with moving forward and a team that has good players. You know, you in this season alone, you've traded for, AJ Brown, you've traded for Michael Pittman Jr. Um, you know, even yeah, T. Higgins kind of at the very, very beginning of the season. Didn't you get Drake? Did you get Drake London back? Or did yeah, you? Drake London this year. Well, you I got, got him. Yeah, you, you gave had him, him traded him away, got him back. Got Drake London you know, back this year. Yeah, the whole rental thing, uh, rental gate. Yep. Point out. 
Um, you know, but you've come out and gotten young guys that fit your timeline, that put up good points. You know, I think having that willingness to say, all right, I made some issues in the first couple of weeks or first couple of years of the dynasty league. I need to like just start from scratch more or less. And over the last year and a half, you've done that. And, yeah. you know, I think you put yourself in a good position to avoid Waffle House. I think that's why you deserve to not go to Waffle House is because you actually have a team that is like competent enough. Yeah. I, I, I would second that. Like, I, I think I, the reason I don't deserve to go to Waffle House is I think I have more star power than any other team, mm. uh, you know, in the Waffle House conversation. So to me, I feel like, I feel like my team from a talent standpoint in terms of a tier stands like one tier below the playoff teams and candidly like two tiers above the true, true Waffle House contenders. Um, but it just hasn't necessarily shaken out that way uh, this year. But right. Um, yeah, it is what it is. So let's move on to Austin. Why, why in your opinion, does Austin deserve to be the one that goes to Waffle House? Honestly, Austin's the biggest one for me to like, think about why he deserves to. I honestly <laughs> like, don't really think he has like a deserving factor for why he should go to Waffle House. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to pinpoint something as to why Austin deserves to go to Waffle House, it is um I mean it's gotta be his quarterback room, like yeah, not willing to make big enough changes to his quarterbacks. Um, you know, like having quarterbacks of teams that aren't very good, like the Titans. I mean, obviously he's having some FOMO with Bryce young, but I think him being more aggressive with his QB situation would have made his team better than what it is. I also will say like, honestly, now, now that I think about it more, this is the reason why Austin deserves to go to Waffle house is because he has good players on crappy teams. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. Saquon, Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley is a very good football player and the New York giants are a hot piece of garbage. Yeah. Matt Stafford has shown he can fling the ball around Rams. Not the same as they've been before. Like the Titans are not the Titans of old. Um, Terry McLaurin, like the commanders are a meh team. You know, I just like you go up and down the list and it's just like, he doesn't have good players on good teams. Yeah. He's got good players on bad teams and it's yeah. tough to get a ton of points when the teams you have, like the players you have are limited by the overall product. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you look at just like, you know, exactly. And, and not, not even just bad teams, but bad offenses. Like it's literally just, you know, like the Rams, like have kind of taken a step back. Like it's Cleveland, it's the giants to your point, it's the commanders, you know, even DK is a player who's like DK is incredibly talented, but he's just very hot and cold when it comes to to his performance because you just never know, you know, kind of how that Seahawks offense is going to run. Um, all of a sudden, the Bengals offense is a little bit of a bad offense, you know, and he's he's starting the Bengals tight end tonight. But you know, the Raiders and and you know some mm-hmm. teams like that. So, um, and he's got you know a couple couple Ravens in there as well, which not a bad offense, but just you know very tough to to nail down from a. a you know, production standpoint. So, uh, no, I, I agree. I think that's a very accurate representation. I will give Austin credit because this time last year, I think the entire league was was thinking that um, by this point this year, he would only have one starting quarterback. Like just just you know, he was he was in a a bit of a, a pickle last year, and he's. I agree that he doesn't have high end starting quarterbacks, but like I, I don't think he's in a spot where like, he's going to have to go, you know, mortgage the future for, for a QB, um, especially considering he'll have, you know, he has his first round pick this year. Um, he could theoretically go get another quarterback. I, I think, you know, credit to him for that. So um, I'll kick, kick us off real quick with why I don't think he deserves to go to Waffle House. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I think similar to mine, he has the star talent, you know, in the, the star power that should keep him out of there. Saquon, Terry McLaurin, JT, DK, you know, he's got good players that should be able to produce at a, at a level that keep him out of Waffle House. And kind of like, 
you know, again, in, in, you know, in contrast to me, he has more depth than I do. He has more picks, you know, and assets, you know, in the future than I do. His Reishi Rice pick looks like a, a steal. Like, he's done a good job of building kind of a deeper team. He now just needs to, like, really push the ceiling up, uh, you know, a little higher. I'm, I said it earlier in the year when Austin was, was kind of down. Like, he's a team that I'm buying stock in. Like, I like his team, and I think he's got, you know, he's, he's put himself in a position where he can, he can kind of leverage it you know, leverage it forward. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. It's just really unfortunate for him that the teams that his players play on, just like the offenses got bad due to yeah. injury at quarterback, due to, you know, just offensive line issues, whatever it may be. Like, I, I yeah, to what you said, I think his team is deep. I think he has good players. It's just been unfortunate that they haven't been able to produce well because the teams they're on are bad. But yeah those things get figured out like Austin's team is relatively young. So like I said, yeah. I don't think he overall, I don't think he deserves to go to waffle house. I don't think he will go to waffle house, but if he does end up going to waffle house, it's because his players are bad because they play on bad teams. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> why does Matt's, team deserve to be the one that goes to Waffle House. Uh, so so I'll kick us off here with why why I think you do deserve to go to Waffle House. Yep. Um in this you know I don't I don't say this as a as a critique or as a you know as a shot or anything like that. I think you did the right thing, but you deserve to go to Waffle House because you've committed to the tank. Like that's it's part of the process like uh you know you you've committed, you know, at least uh at least for the most part to to you know building a team for the long run and and you kind of gave up some assets that um you know, we're, we're a little bit older, um, you know, that you could get a return for like Mark Andrews and like AJ Brown and all them. Um, I know you were shopping David Montgomery at the deadline too. Like there's, uh, you know, there, there's moves that you've made that have, have put you in a position where you probably do deserve to go to Waffle House. Um, and I, I would say too, like, I think, you know, you, you kind of would agree with this, that in hindsight, I think you trade AJ Brown too early. <laughs> like, I think you could have, you know, not that you wouldn't necessarily gotten more, but just his his production over the last three or four weeks has been pretty top notch, and I think would have kept you away from Waffle House um, if you still had him. So, to me, those are the main reasons why you deserve to be the one to go to Waffle House. So, what do, what do you think? Do you agree? Oh yeah, I deserve to go to Waffle House because I embraced the tank way too early. I I panic sold. I and part of the reason I panic sold was more so as a. I guess it wouldn't be a panic sell, but it was more so to spite other people for just like their, you know, panic trades and like just doing things on like a whim. Um, so, you know, and people are wishy-washy and I, I, like, I, I've said this, I'll say it again. Like, I don't really fear going to Waffle House. I yeah. embrace the experience. Like it's going to be a really fun time. Um, I'm also a teacher, so I have like all summer to get it done. Exactly. But, um, so there's no worries there, but I, I mean, my, I deserve to go to Waffle House because I, I sold on it way too early. Like Mark Andrews is still on my team. Zay Flowers is still on my team, which that was pre tank, but I was just kind of maximizing value with Mike, but you know, AJ Brown specifically, like, and T Higgins, like I don't trade the four of them before the season start, like two of them before the season starts and those two in the season, like we're talking about Tommy's team being on the outside looking in. And I, I firmly believe I am in the the playoff mix, but you know, I'm not, I, I made my bed. I'm sleeping in it. I'm content with it. The thing that irritates me the most, is, and I don't want my pick to be the one that gets Mike the first overall pick, but um, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's my fear right now. Also so, Joe Burrow is out of the game. Yeah. Trust me, I know. I'm watching. It's terrible. I hate my life. <laughs> Remember when I said that I, so, I was enjoying this league uh, more than anything? Now uh, I take that back. So, so Brian deserves to go to Waffle House because he now has a quarterback that's hurt, and he's got to yeah. put up another crappy score this week. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm going to come in last again. <laughs> but, oh well, oh well. It's I, I'm telling you, just like 
I my team cannot withstand uh, stuff to not go perfectly. And Side. I, you know, it's too too difficult of a of a game to not to to have that. Side note: As we continue on, before we continue on to talk about on good. Uh, I do want to make a statement of since we like kind of bragged about me coming in first and then you coming in first the following week, you and I have both put up bottom three weeks, one of which me like setting a incredible record for the lowest score ever. So, you know, I think we we showboated a little bit. Uh, to the fantasy gods, and now mm-hmm. we are being spited for it in the are. the the worst way. <laughs> we definitely, definitely, definitely are. Man, he looks like dejected too. He might like be done for the year. He's pissed. <laughs> he can't throw a football. Joe Burrow yeah. cannot throw a football right now. Shout yeah. out to Lamar for coming back. My boy's resilient, but God, that sucks for the Bengals. I can't wait for uh, you know to get trade offers in the off season for like Joe Burrow for like you know <laughs> um two seconds from from josh because you know josh is gonna be like well you know he had a terrible year so yeah joe joe burrow for uh geno smith and a fourth yeah i do take i do take solace in that it's like joe burrow outside of getting injured i will knock on wood like pretty much can't have a worse year next year than he had this year like it was just that you got an injury lingered like he gets the calf again yeah you gotta hope the offense can't figure it out like Man. But anyway, we're we're getting off track here. So All right, let's get um, back. Make your make your case why you don't deserve to be the one to go to Waffle House. I think I don't deserve to be the one to go to Waffle House because shoot, honestly, I really don't have a good reason. I haven't really thought about myself that much. <laughs> Do you know why I shouldn't go to I don't deserve to go to Waffle House? <laughs> My team, honestly, the, the last two, like literally the last three weeks, ever since I posted that 38-point week, I'm like, God, like I just hope I break 40 this week and I'm fully preparing to go to Waffle House. Now, like every time I'm like, oh, Colin and Mike and Ongood are both three spots ahead of me. Like, you know, it's another day I get worse. So, but yeah. I yeah. To me, so to me, the reason that you don't deserve to go to Waffle House is because you had to watch your team put up a 38 point week. <laughs> <laughs> That's torture enough. <laughs> Nobody should have to be punished again after having to watch their team do that. Yeah, especially after watching my team put up 60 in a like winner take all between Sloan and I <laughs> to get into the playoffs last year. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah, my you, team. You've been through enough pain. My my team's clutch rating on 2K is at about like a three. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it's not, not pretty. I agree with that. I've already hit the lowest of lows this year. So, you know, yeah. no, no reason to tack it on more. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. So, all right. Let's keep moving here. So, let's see. Uh, Angid, why does Angid uh, deserve to be the team that goes to Waffle House? <laughs> I mean, I hate to put it this bluntly, but Anga deserves to go to Waffle House again this year because of the moves he's made in the last year. Yeah. Like, he made moves last year that did not pan out, and, you know, it hurt his team then, and those moves are carrying over and killing his team right now, too. Now... To his credit, like, I mean, everybody's been harping on Ongood's for sure going to Waffle House. He's for sure going to Waffle House. The people on his team that were supposed to be good are now playing good football. Yeah. And the guys who were supposed to be eh are playing better football, and other teams are playing bad right now. Yeah. But even then, like, we talk about that star power. Like, Ongood's star power is incredibly limited. Yeah. I mean, it's Dak, Prescott, and Joe Mixon. Yeah, like not a yeah. lot of boom players on his team. Rashad and White's been pretty good recently, but yeah, I agree. He has like those three have been yeah. bo- really booming. But you look yeah. at the rest of his team, and it's like when you're praying that other teams have to bust in order for you to like work your way up. Yeah, you, you deserve to come in last place. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and I think I think too, like I. Again, I don't mean for this to sound mean or blunt or anything, but I just I think he has the worst starting lineup. Like I, I think it's just I that the team that deserves to go to Waffle House should be the team that you know has the worst 
starting lineup. And to me, that's him. I, but I mean, again, like you're saying, like his team isn't playing like it. So props to them. And, and I mean, I'm gets, you know, putting the right players in, like he's got, you know, he's on a hot streak right now. Everybody, everybody he, you know, starts is, 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 uh, you know, going off. So, um, you know, I guess that leads us into kind of why he doesn't deserve to go to Waffle House. Like most Waffle House teams don't have a stretch like he's having right now. You know, most Waffle House teams don't don't string together kind of multiple, um, you know, runs like this, especially uh, winning winning the you know league in, in a certain week. Most teams don't have that. So to me, I, I think, you know, this little run he's putting together and some of the development he's getting from Rashad White. Um, Romeo Dobbs has had a good couple weeks here. Like there's those, those kind of performances, uh, you know, deserve to, to keep him out of it. Um, and then also like, I think he doesn't deserve to go to Waffle House because he hasn't made any panicked moves this year. Like he's, you know, he's kind of stuck it out and, you know, played it, you know, a little bit more conservative and, and, um, yeah, I think, I think that he deserves to not have to go again because of that yeah my my whole reasoning for why Anga doesn't deserve to go to Waffle House is because he went last year like yeah I am at least in terms of last place finishers I'm all for you know uh cycling through the bottom um Anga you know did his time uh for his crimes and has hopefully come out and like you said he's come out a rehabilitated man uh making yeah. smarter choices and doing his thing so um, yeah. you know, I think he already paid, like I said, he paid his, he paid his debts. So yeah. he should be clear. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, that's, I think that's as, as good of a reason as any that we've given. So, um, why, why does Mike deserve to be the one to go to Waffle House? Mike deserves to be the one to go to Waffle House because he has evaded the Grim Reaper long enough. Yes. <laughs> you know, you said the team with the worst starting lineup deserves to be the one to go to Waffle House. Two years ago, Mike had the worst starting lineup. Excuse yeah. you, Wendy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. I did. Uh, that was gross. Yeah. Um, But, like, he had the worst team and did not go to Waffle House. Last year, his team marginally improved. Yeah. Still didn't go to Waffle House. This year, his team, it's not the worst team, but... You know, I feel like there's a famous movie quote about like uh, saying like, you know, the debt, the debts always do. Yeah. Or rents always do. You know, yeah. the, the the Grim Reaper is there with his scythe waiting to to cut that heartstring. And, you know, his time has come. Yeah. I to me, Mike deserves to go to Waffle House because he has the ability to keep himself from it if he wanted to. I Ooh, yes he has the assets that if he wanted to to get out of waffle house he could he has decided not to and i you know we some people feel more strongly about that than others i'm one that i you know i i think everybody deserves their own strategy uh it's i i actually can't even say it's the one that i wouldn't do i i I think there's a there's an intelligence to it. Um, to me, I just he he could get out of it if he wanted to. He's decided he doesn't want to, so he deserves to go to Waffle House as as kind of a form or kind of a you know a result of his strategy, in my opinion. So um, he has the quarterbacks that he could you know to sell off to 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 go get pieces that would keep him out of Waffle House. Um, and yeah, I think though you know our two points kind of go hand in hand. I think he deserves to go because uh, he he could get himself out of it, and he has decided not to. Why Mike does not deserve to go to Waffle House? I will like I mentioned earlier, his team this year is not the worst, and he has had people like grossly underperform. Yeah, um, you know I think about Jalen Waddle and what he's been doing the last couple of years. Jalen Waddle has been a very mid-level wide receiver. Um, you know Pat Fryermuth like getting hurt, kind of hurt his little tight end room. Um, you know I I just have this sentiment that, like Patrick Mahomes has been good, but I feel like he hasn't like had any crazy weeks where he's gone like psycho. Um, you know, Tua was solid, but Trevor Lawrence has really underperformed. I know he's had him in the starting lineup for multiple weeks and, you know, just things like that where guys that should be getting him a lot of points 
are not getting him a lot of points. And, you know, it's tough to say you deserve to go when your just whole team is underperforming what they should be. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I think, too, like, um, you know, like, I, he, he's gotten a little screwed, too, with, like, the Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers situation. Like, I think mm-hmm. that he's had some bad luck, like, you know, in terms of how things have broken for him. So, to me, that's, that's you know, reason, too, why, why he doesn't deserve to go. And I also think, too, like, I – Mike has made some savvy pickups and draft picks, uh, you know, like Nico Collins. He held Nico Collins for a long time, you know, buying into him. Tank Dell, another, you know, example of that. Like, you know, he's got some players that I respect his, his, you know, kind of scouting and his decision-making on that, you know, make me think he doesn't deserve to go. So, uh, okay. Last but not least, why does Colin deserve to go to Waffle House? Uh, he deserves to go to Waffle House because he panicked. And he panics. Yep. He, yep. I mean, he panicked last year, panicked twice this year. You know, I, we all commended him for going out and getting dudes to like get him out of Waffle House. And I mean, it goes back to what you said about Mike. Like he had the ability to keep himself out of Waffle House, but then Colin was like, oh man, I have no future now. So now he's going back to get like the future aspect back, but now he's going to go to Waffle House. So Colin's going to, Colin deserves to go to Waffle House for not sticking to a strategy or like developing a strategy and being like, this is my game plan. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, uh, yeah, Colin does, deserves to go to Waffle House for uh, the exact uh, opposite reason as to why you you deserve to uh, avoid it. And I think it's because uh, he hasn't committed to the tank. So, um, you know, if he if he commits to the tank, I'm all in on on uh, you know him him not going, but he hasn't yet. So, and actually, I I, I should give him credit. Yeah, I think he has committed to it now, but, you know, I think early on this year, I think you're right. He, you know, probably made, you know, some moves he maybe wouldn't make again, but uh, such is life, I guess. So uh, I, think it's a, I think it's a soft commit to the tank. Yeah. Yeah. I, I give him credit for not, not, you know, uh, buying at the deadline or anything like that. I'm sure, 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 sure that plenty of teams were, you know, texting him seeing if, if, uh, if he wanted you know, to buy some of their players. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I think you hit the nail on the head. As to why he doesn't deserve to go to Waffle House is, uh, in my opinion, because he, like, he was safe and has kind of plummeted back down. So for me, it's kind of the emo- emotional turmoil that he's going through of, like, you know, <laughs> being in the Waffle House conversation, thinking he'd gotten himself out and now being right back in it. I think that's that's enough uh, stress for one person. It's a roller coaster. I would say the yeah. reason he doesn't deserve to go to Waffle House is because he didn't go back and panic buy at this yeah. deadline. I think it could have been very, very easy for him to try and like sell off one of those firsts or pair up uh, another player with like a second to try and get like a marginal upgrade to give himself some more wiggle room away from Waffle House. And, you know, the reason he deserves to go is because he hasn't stuck with a strategy. The reason I think he doesn't deserve to go is because it might seem now that he is somewhat kind of embracing a strategy. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's totally fair. So that was a, that was a fun exercise. Great idea. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So let's get, let's get uh, some tape. You call your shot here. Who goes to Waffle House? Oh, baby. Oh, baby. If I had to put money, like if we had, and I don't know, you know, maybe I will make some gambling odds for it. Maybe Mike will. Somebody. There was some betting odds as far as who is going to go to Waffle House. I think right now my money would be on Colin. Okay. Nice. I, I think would, my money's I'm gonna put if I had to make a second choice, I I honestly think I'm probably the next likely to go. Yep, that's where my money's on. I think it's I think it's you. Um Somber I think feeling. I think you're gonna be in coming last this week, or maybe I will now that I don't have Joe Burrow, but you'll be in last or second to last. And then uh Angit yeah. seems you know, Angit's gonna stay on a tear. 
I think Shoot. Mike has enough talent to keep himself out of it, and then I think it's going to come down to you and Colin. And I don't know. I just have a, I have a gut feeling that you're going Joe, to go that week. Yeah, Joe Mixon already threw or caught a touchdown pass. My my downing factor is um, second to last week of the season, freaking week thirteen. Um, like I only have one quarterback this week. And eh, no, in week thirteen I'll have two quarterbacks. Never mind, because I got I'll have yeah. the Falcons quarterback in Minshew. So this is kind of like my my rough go of it, but. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. Like, I know, I know I'm susceptible to some buys and I, as my team has clearly shown, I am susceptible to some just disgraceful performances from players. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Do you, uh, do you want to get into our, our final topic here? Yeah. So to kind of wrap it up and we'll keep this one a little bit brief and not go wildly deep into it, but Brian and I, so Brian mentioned me like shopping David Montgomery at the deadline. And we had a little discussion um, about the whole climate of running backs in fantasy football, specifically dynasty fantasy football. And talking about, you know, the, the, the questions came up on like, when do you know, um, like, how can you predict when a player is going to fall off? How do you know when a guy's taking control of a running back room? Is any running back actually safe nowadays from getting replaced on a moment's notice? Um, and a lot of it stemmed from that. And then it also stemmed from Michael Carter getting released by the Jets um, yeah. earlier this week. Like, Michael Carter was, Brian, you said he was a third-round pick, fourth-round pick? Fourth-round pick, yeah. Fourth-round pick. So a Saturday pick had i think we could all agree a pretty productive rookie season nothing wildly crazy but he was productive and you're like man i could see him doing some things in year two like the jets are a bad football team they got a good run like a decent running back they can build off of him and move forward and then what do the jets do they go out and get Brees hall with their first round pick the next year to immediately replace him and then what do they do this offseason? They go and trade for Dalvin Cook to bring in a new backup to replace him and yeah. draft and draft another running back in the fifth round. Yeah. You know, so it sparks like he was a third, a fourth round pick two years ago. Somebody worth some value to now he no longer is on a team in the National Football League. Yeah. And it's like, where where do teams draw the line nowadays with their running backs? I think to me, the frustrating part about him, too, is like draft capital means so much to running backs production. Like if running backs that are taken in the first and second round get so many opportunities before they're they're truly replaced, whereas running backs that are taken, you know, I would say third round and on, like especially third through like sixth, like they they have one good season. If that, even if they have a great season, the team inevitably brings in more competition because they're a third through sixth round running back. Like, and and seventh round running backs, obviously, who knows? Like they barely ever get a shot. But like to me, the frustrating thing is like I don't. I, I guess I just like can't wrap my head around why as an organization you would have, you know, like I think about Brees Hall, like Brees Hall was a second round pick had, was going to be rookie of the year if he didn't tear his ACL. And and maybe that's the reason, maybe it's just because they're, they're terrified of, you know, of a running back coming back from an ACL surgery, but like they bring in Dalvin cook who inevitably didn't give that much competition, but he was obviously there to give competition. They still had Michael Carter. And even at this point, like, Brees Hall stills not getting more than like 60% of the the snaps on that offense. And then randomly there's like, there's running backs like Joe Mixon who are good running backs and have had, had good production in the past. But like, I, I don't get why Joe Mixon doesn't get, you know, committed in his backfield, but Brees Hall and Bijan Robinson and, you know, like all these other running backs do, or, you know, <laughs> Why does Rashad White not get committed in his backfield, but Aaron Jones does in Green Bay? Like, it just feels like so, so hit or miss, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of, of, you know, how teams handle that position. Right. And uh, you'd look at teams that have recently drafted younger-ish running backs, like Kenneth Walker last year 
What did the Seahawks do after having a dude that had a crazy stretch? Oh, we're going to go take Zach Charbonnet as, you know, one of the first running backs drafted in like the actual NFL draft. And now recently, like the last three games, it's been a legitimate 50, 50 split in that backfield. Yeah, no, I totally you know, agree. You know, Bijan, like Tyler Algier, again, late round pick has a productive season. Falcons immediately draft Bijan Robinson and then don't even use him that much. Yeah. Seahawks, um, Seahawks draft Ken Walker in the first two rounds and then immediately come back and pick another running back in the top couple rounds. Right. But like, meanwhile, Damian Pierce in Houston gets taken on like the fourth or fifth round, has a crazy year, and Houston invests nothing in the running back spot. But then to counteract that, Damian Pierce had a bad year this year. Houston's got to be a team that are like, oh, man, C.J. Stroud, Nico Collins, Tank Dell. Like, I'm going to go get another running back. You know, and it's and when does the window close on the 49ers, on the Chargers, on, you know, these other teams that have older but top-notch running backs? When do they then invest early draft capital for those replacements? And how soon do they just dump off those guys? Yeah, yeah. And I just it's it's like to me, it's it's a way harder position than quarterback because quarterback, you can kind of see the tea leaves a little bit in terms of like what it seems like teams are doing. But with running backs, like it is just so hit or miss. Like, I I, I don't know. You look at an example of like, you know, Dalvin Cook kind of got committed his last year or two in in Minnesota with like Alexander Madison taking more and more time. Zeke got gets committed in in Dallas with Tony Pollard, and you know now all of a sudden they're they're pretty irrelevant running backs. And but meanwhile you have you have Alvin Kamara and you have Joe Mixon and you have Christian McCaffrey and you've got you know like running backs Austin, like Austin Austin Eckler for the most part Austin Eckler like who who are older running backs who have a lot of wear and tear on their bodies, who have some injury history. And yet their, their teams just continue to hand them the reins at like a 80, 85, 90% snap share, you know, level. And it's just, it feels so hard to predict. Like, I don't know. I, two years ago, if you had, you know, offered me, you know, and who knows, I, 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 this may be hyperbole, but like if you had offered me Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon and Dalvin cook, like, I think Joe Mixon would have been the last of those three that I picked. And I I probably would have picked Alvin Kamara first, but like, I don't know, like, and, and, and now all of a sudden two of the three are still RB ones. And one is like borderline droppable. He was literally involved in your like nonsense deal with Sloan to trade backups. Yeah. Like, and I, I wouldn't even hold him if I didn't have, if I didn't have Brees, like, Right. I, he's not even worth rostering to me if without Brees. And so, so yeah, it makes anyway, me it makes me nervous for you know like it it's a the running back position with contracts makes me nervous for like the future that people hold. Like I am genuinely nervous. Are the Chiefs going to try and invest in another early round pick? And now Pacheco's done for. You yeah. know. Oh, is, I think- yeah. Is Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, are they a legitimate 50-50 split from like here on out? You know, when does Gibbs bypass David Montgomery and David Montgomery is the equivalent of just like the goal line back and takes that Jamal Williams role, yeah. you know? Um, James Cook, like how soon is it before Buffalo decides that he's not cutting it, you know? And then you look into some of these other teams – and other like other teams in our league, like with running backs, you know, I just yeah. it's a it's a crazy position in the sport. And, you know, like it's tough to have to hold a bunch of running backs because inevitably they have crazy value because of how scarce it is to have good ones. Yeah. But then, you know, I look at myself with like multiple starting running backs this year, but how many of them are starting running backs next year? I don't know. And then yeah. if you look at some of the other teams in our league with running backs. Mike and Colin both are starting two running backs from the same team. Yeah. They're RB one and RB two. And it's not yeah. even like no offense to the Steelers offense. It's not good. And yeah. yet, you know, the last couple of weeks, like they've weirdly scored points and same thing with the commanders with Brian Robinson and, 
uh, Antonio Gibson. So it's like, are they on a track where you just get the 50-50 split and you're like, well, I hope this team just gives the running backs a lot of possessions and touches. (laughs) You just brought up like the perfect example of what's so frustrating about running backs. Like Antonio Gibson is what, like, I'm trying to even look to see if I can find what he was. But he was a, easily a top ten fantasy running back. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, he was he was number twelve, and then he was number eleven in in half PPR format for two years in a row. That really like it's it, top 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 RB two. You know, maybe a bottom RB one. And all of a sudden, Brian Robinson comes in in this span of one off season takes over. You know, the majority of the backfield, and now Antonio Gibson is like, you know, barely worth starting. Like, and that's, mm-hmm. that's so frustrating. And like, I think about, you know, Colin makes the big deal for, for, uh, Javante Williams, like Javante Williams has started to pick it up the last couple of weeks, but he's probably, he's probably a bad finish to this season away from being a backup, like them bringing in a free agent, them drafting a running back high. Like he, he's an example of a, of, of, of a borderline guy that could go either way. And if it doesn't go well for him the rest of the season, he he might not be guaranteed, you know, guaranteed run next year. It's so it's so hit or miss. And I think it like I it has to impact your strategy as as any kind of re rebuilding team. Like I don't think it has to impact the strategy for the the playoff teams. But like I, I look at Mike's team as an example. Like if I'm Mike the last two pieces of my, you know, my starting lineup are my two running backs that I'm trying to acquire. Like, I think he, like, he's got his quarterbacks, obviously, but like, if I'm him with my draft assets, like, obviously he'll use them on quarterbacks, but if I were him, I'm, I'm like stacking wide receivers (laughs) and, you know, seeing if I can maybe get a a tight end like Brock Bowers or one of them. And when I think I am on the precipice of being able to be a playoff team, that is when I'm like going all in on getting these running backs because unfortunately, like even the best ones, you can't guarantee past, you know, probably a season and a half into the future. Like I would, I wouldn't guarantee Christian McCaffrey more than a season and a half. I wouldn't guarantee Alvin Kamara. I wouldn't guarantee even Brees Hall. Like none of them, I think you can go to the bank with the way you could a, a star quarterback or star running or star wide receiver and say you know, this player will be good. They will be startable in fantasy in a year and a half. Yeah. And the crappy part is like wide receiver capital means nothing. Tight end capital means nothing. Totally. You know, I'm a wide receiver that gets drafted in the first round. That's super cool. Like if I don't produce early, as we've seen from guys like, you know, I mean, dating myself a little bit, but like um, a Corey Davis. uh, Yeah. Paris Campbell. uh, Kevin White. If you remember that name, Boston yeah. Pass, shout out Chicago Bears in West Virginia. Yeah. You know, totally. like just because you were like they got opportunity, but they didn't produce. But then like if I'm a sixth round wide receiver and it's I do field. and I and I do good in the slot, and then like they keep giving me the ball, they're like, Man, we're the greatest team ever. This dude's gonna become our wide receiver one. And like the yeah. The NFL is totally fine with it. Or, hey, we yeah. snagged this tight end in the fifth round. Oh, man, he can actually catch the ball. Like, let's keep using him. Like, What, DK Metcalf gets picked in, like, the third round? And by halfway through his rookie season, he was, like, a wide receiver, too, in fantasy. And he was lo- locked in for five years. Easy. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's very frustrating compared to the two. And I guess, to me, like, that's why I continue to make the argument about how we should flex. We should you know, change up the way our starting lineups are are handled. Like, obviously, you know, the teams that have deeper running back rooms right now don't want to do that. But to me, I'm like, the NFL is telling us that, you know, they value stability at quarterback. They value stability at wide receiver. You know, they, they, when they spot talent, they lock it down, you know, and it has, has a starting, starting spot on their roster, but they every single year continue to tell us that running backs do not matter to them. So like in that, you know, if you look at a running back depth chart in the NFL, like there are two running backs splitting 50% of the carries. So it's like, why are we starting? Why are we forced to start two running backs, you know, in, in those RB spots every single week when there are probably only, you know, I would hazard a guess of like eight to 10 
teams in the NFL that truly just have a starting running back that isn't committed. Like right. the amount of running backs that are getting between probably 40% and 60% of their team's snaps is out of this world. And so to me, I'm like, I, I, I make the argument that I think we should go to one starting running back the way most teams you know, in the NFL view it. And, and that other spot should become a flex. If you've got the running back depth, start them. If you don't start a wide receiver, I know it's fallen on deaf ears, but to me, that's, that's why, that's why, that's why I view it that way. Boys, if you made it this far, Josh, if you made it this far, put it on the dock for the rules meeting in the spring, dropping down the running back total to one, increasing yep. the flex total to four. Yep. I, I, I think it has to be, I think, I think it has to be done. I, I think it has to be just, I think it, get less and less important. I think it should be valued and I think it should be discussed. I think there's definitely a place yeah. for, to see what other, what other of the boys think. But that was, like I said, that was something that Brian and I kind of talked about and it just kept snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. We were like, holy crap, this whole situation just sucks. Yeah. We like, I, man, I, we, we only start one tight end because the position isn't very deep and it's not very important in NFL teams. We start two quarterbacks. We start, you know, multiple wide receivers because it's important in NFL teams. I think running backs head in the same direction as tight end. Um, to me, like I, you know, another example, and we can wrap this up here, but, you know, a, a huge mistake that I made was, was trading for Elijah Mitchell from Mike because Elijah Mitchell had a great season and I was on, I was, you know, not used to the, to the way dynasty worked. And I, I said, you know what, man, like I've got, you know, this is a rookie running back on a good offense. I'm going to trade for him and he can be my starting running back for the next two, three, four, five years. And six, you know, he gets injured week one of, of the first season I had him. And then Christian McCaffrey's on the team in like week five or six and the rest is history. Now Elijah Mitchell's, you know, a handcuff on Sloan's bench. So to me, it's just like, I, I don't see any reason, you know, like I, I will never do that again. I will never trade for for a one hit wonder running back that you know that has one one good season and that you know gets gets committed. I think back to Colin and I swapping. You know, we made the deal where I gave up Algier and Kadarius Tony, and in return I got Pacheco and a second in last year's draft, like two rookie running backs that were seventh round and like fifth round. You know, had positive seasons. One team doesn't draft to replace the other team uses their first round pick to get a guy and you know living in two different worlds right there so i agree interesting interesting stuff i'm excited to hear josh and sloan's thoughts on it uh next week excited to hear from the boys and all of our other loyal listeners what you think about the running back situation in fantasy football yeah, no, I totally agree. Uh, to wrap us up here, Josh, please don't quit the league, man. We, you know, if you need some friends to watch football with, you can always hop on a, a FaceTime or a Zoom call with us. We'll we'll make it fun again. Um, Josh and Sloan, too, we tease you guys for the pod. We know you're busy. We know you have lives, uh, you know, out, outside of this. So, you know, don't take it too hard. But we had to give you a little bit of a hard time. Um, to the rest of the boys, good luck this week. Uh, but not too much luck because I don't want you to outscore my team, but uh, you can have a little bit of luck. Um, Matt, you got any closing comments before we wrap up? Just excited to watch this Waffle House race heat up. Yep, it's going to be a blast. I'm personally cheering for for any of the boys other than myself that live in Indy to to uh, have to go to Waffle House because I want to be able to come sit with whoever, whoever has to go. But again, knocking on wood because I hope that doesn't mean that it's me. So um, with all that said, Thanks for hanging in there. I think we're a little bit over an hour here. So uh, gave you guys a nice, a nice juicy pod to wrap up. So um, with all that being said, I'm going to sign off for the Doughboys. Have a great weekend, everybody. Adios.